My name is uh, Solomon Abaki. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope Midtown. And of course, as you're joining us for the first time, it's wonderful to have you around. You look lovely and the weather is beautiful outside, yeah? It's so beautiful. I mean, I was just waiting for warm weather to just allow myself not to be bundling up with jackets and all that. But we thank God for creating this day for us. Uh, We always say this is the day the Lord has made. We are going to rejoice. We are going to be glad in it. If you're a person who takes note, I'm just talking about the secret of life. Can you tell your neighbor, secret of life? No, you were just looking at me. I mean, just turn to your neighbor, tell them the secret of life. And many of us tend to look for answers. We tend to look for answers in different places concerning life. Some of us, if we are students, we are looking for answers from our professors, from the teachers, you know, from our lecturers. Uh, some look for answers for life from the politicians. And we, of course, we know after every, like my country, we're about to go for elections in the month of August, and people think when right politicians come into power, they'll be able to give us a better life. Some people are looking for uh, answers to life from the movie stars, celebrities. Maybe they produce a certain movie that will be able to challenge you, inspire you. Some people look for life, I mean, answers for life uh, from, uh, let's say, uh, from the fivefold. We, as pastors here, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. And sometimes it seems like they do have a little bit of it, but not the entirety of it. The book of the, uh, John chapter 10, verse 10 tells us there, that I came that they may have and enjoy life. Jesus says, I have come. That they may have and enjoy life. In simple terms, it means I've come. That you, as the person that I died for, you might have life in its fullness. Enjoy in Jesus. Most of us, we think like uh, our enjoyment only comes from the resources that we normally do possess. But Jesus tells us here, the reason why he died for you and I, is that we might enjoy him. So it's not enjoying the gifts, but enjoying the giver. So he says, I have come that you may have me. You may enjoy me. And it doesn't end up there. He says, and have me in abundance till Jesus overflows out of our lives to the full. When we enjoy Jesus, when Jesus has has taken over our whole life, what oozes out of our lives? Jesus. Because we're full of Jesus, what comes out of our life is Jesus. People see us, they don't see Solomon. When they see me, they don't see Solomon. When they see uh, Drew, they don't see Drew. They just see Jesus. And that's why Jesus came. He came that the people around us, as Jesus transformed our lives, as his presence transformed our lives, there's fullness of him that oozes out of our life. And people begin to see the fullness of Jesus in our lives. Another part says, John 14, 6 says, I am the only way. No one has ever proclaimed since the creation of the world that they are the only way. They will only point people to a direction. If you want a direction where I live, I live in Roosevelt Island. 
I will tell you, this is the way. You go to 59th Street, and then after you're going 59th Street, you take uh, a second avenue, you take a tram, and the tram will take you through to Roosevelt Island. But I can't tell you I am that way. But Jesus here tells us, I am the only way. And not only that, but he says, and the real truth. No one has ever proclaimed that they have the whole truth by themselves. But Jesus says, I am the real truth. I am the real deal. Simple. And then, I am the real life. You're looking for life from your career. You're looking for life from relationship. You will not find satisfaction. He says, I am the real deal. I am the real life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Isn't that great? That we are not putting pressure upon ourselves, but connecting to the one who is the way. Connecting to the one that is the truth. Connecting to the one that is the life. So a question rises here. Number one question is, what is this secret of life that I'm talking about today? What is this secret of life? And the secret of this life is bearing fruit. We've looked at John chapter 15, verse 16. He says, you have not chosen me. When we just pause there, we didn't choose Jesus. Let me tell you, Jesus chose us. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only. Can we finish that? That whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So Jesus picked us from the miry clay. It was all he's doing. And he, set at, he came and sat at, in a platform. He says, I have chosen you. And not only has Jesus chosen us, he has ordained us. Ordination means he has perfected us. He has appointed us. He's planted us. So you're not a mistake to have pla- to been planted this morning in this sanctuary. There's a reason, there's a purpose that you've been planted here. You're not a mistake. It's not an accident where... The neighbor that you, I mean, the neighborhood that you are dwelling in. Jesus has appointed you, has planted you there. The kind of work you're doing, Jesus has planted you, has appointed you there. He has ordained you. Why has he done that? The Bible says that you might, what does it say? That you might go and bear fruit. And it says, and keep on bearing. We keep on bearing that fruit. And that your fruit may be lasting. So Jesus has positioned us. We've had a relationship with him. We've allowed him to be the Lord and and our savior of our life. It doesn't end up there. He he comes and now begins to plant us. Some people have been planted as engineers, as politicians, as lawyers, in the civil servant, in a certain corporate. For the reason of bearing fruit. And keep on bearing that kind of fruit. Which leads me to second questions. Second question. What kind of fruit are we to bear then? Yeah, I've been called, I've been ordained, I've been appointed. But what kind of fruit am I to bear? Galatians chapter 5 verse 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love. The Bible mentions fruit. It doesn't mention fruits. It mentions fruit. That means the result of his presence within us. The result of 
Jesus' presence within us is love. Why? Because God is love. is full of love. So when we carry love within us, what comes out of our lives is love. That's the kind of fruit we are bearing. We have been called to bear forth the fruit of love wherever God has positioned us. And selfish concern for others. But the implication of this love is joy, peace, patience, or what we call long-suffering. When we talk about long-suffering, it's not the ability to wait, but how we act while we are waiting. It's not just I'm waiting, but how do I act while I'm waiting for the promise of what God has spoken to my life? And then he speaks about gentleness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. All this describes what love is. So a person who is full of the love of God, what will you see in them? You'll see joy. They're not just happy because happy, happiness comes with circumstances, meaning when things have been done, when my wife gave me a certain gift that I was longing for, I'm happy. If she doesn't, then what happens? But the people of God, they are full of joy. He says in his presence, there is fullness of joy. So joy springs forth out of my life because I'm full of the spirit of love within me, bearing that fruit. You will see someone who is gentle. You step on their toe, but they are able to, sell them to, to have self-control upon themselves. People who are meek, people who are patient as well. Of course, I'm not, I'm not telling you that you go and uh, try to step on your neighbor's toe to just find out if they, are, uh, they have this. That's what I'm talking about. But I believe where God has planted us, where he has positioned us, we will meet people who will step on our toes. Right? Our neighbors. But how do we express the fullness of the love of Jesus? By being patient. Fruit doesn't exist for itself. It exists for others. Does an apple exist for itself? No, it exists for people who will be able to feast on it, you know, pluck it from the tree, eat of it, orange as well, and mango. So the fruit doesn't exist for others. When God has graced you in a certain area, it is not for you. It's not for me as Solomon. But the grace I carry will be able to attract the unmet need in my life. So you are not, as I said earlier on, a mistake where God places you because he has given you enough grace to attract the needs in that place. And so you as a, a fruit bearer, the love of Jesus Christ flowing from you, people will begin to see Jesus and begin to see the love of Christ through your life. Genesis chapter 49 verse 22 says, So fruitful was Joseph that his branches hung down into the neighbor's yard. So not only were the branches hanging down on the neighbor's yard, but they were ready to be picked and stripped, satisfying others. In, in fact, Songs of Solomon says, chapter 5 verse 1, I have come to my garden, my sister, my spouse. I know whenever we mention Song of Solomon, some people think of, you know, two guys and a relationship. More, past, more often you find uh, pastors or people who are conducting wedding uh, just quoting this scripture. But it's more than that. It says, I have gathered my ma with my spice. I have eaten my honeycomb with my honey. I have drunk my wine with milk. 
Eat all friends, feast on revelers of the palace. You can never make my lover disloyal to me. Drink, yes, drink deeply, abundantly of love, O beloved ones, for now I know you are mine, irrevocable mine. And most people often say, the desire of my heart is to be a garden for my king. Of course, that's our desire as believers of Jesus Christ. Just Jesus and me in silence and solitude. But that is not the whole story. What does Jesus do? He brings his friends with him into our garden. They trample on us and pick from us. And we, we begin to protest. Who invited you in our lives? Who invited you in my life? And Jesus answers and says, I did. I did invite that nuisance neighbor in your life. That colleague in your life. You know, that relative in your life. I did invite them. I'll produce this fruit in you, not for you, and not even primarily for me, but for my friends. That's what Jesus does. He produces this fruit in you and I, not primarily for him or for us, but for his friend. Because the Bible says we are the living epistles, letters that can be read by many. We are walking Bibles literally. And so some people may not have the Bible with them, but when they look at your life, they see a living epistle. In fact, the Bible says we are ministers of the new covenant. And so as we are walking along, as we are interacting with people around us, the only way they will see Jesus is when sometimes they kind of trample in our life, and they see our reaction. How do we react? And what they, when they see the love coming out from our lives, then they realize truly. In fact, Jesus says that you shall know them by their fruit. God is only glorified when we are satisfied in him. Amen. That's how God is glorified. In fact, John chapter 12 verse 24, 26 says... Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who has his life in, the, in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am there, my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, he, my father, will honor. So we have been invited to little death. In fact, Paul says, I die daily. God is calling us to die of self because we are full of self. Solomon is full of himself. And let's allow the Lord to work in my life for me to be able to produce much fruit, as the Bible says. For me to be able to produce this much fruit is to allow Jesus Christ in my life. To begin transforming me. And as it transformed me. The same love that I carry within me. The same love of Jesus. Begin to pour out to my neighbors. Begin to pour out to people that I interact with on a daily basis. So by pouring out myself. I'm dying to myself. I'm dying to my selfishness. And so when I die. There is much fruit that is being produced. From my own life. To be able to satisfy Jesus friends. 
That's what we have been called to. And that's the secret of life that God is calling us to. So the secret of life is fruit bearing. Not for our own satisfaction, but in order that others might be nourished from the fruit produced. Through and often in spite of us. Focus on yourself and you'll be miserable. When we become lover of God, when we become lover of people, we'll get our eyes off from our problems, from our pains, from our tears, from our fears. And then we begin to look for ways to refresh, to satisfy and bless others. And we'll find the secret of life. So I'm challenging us and, and, and encouraging us. Begin to bless others. God has not just gifted you to just feel good. I mean, uh, as a person. No, he's gifted us, he's graced us so that we can go forth and satisfy others and bless others and tell them this kind of love we've tested. They may also test it. The Bible says, test and see that the Lord is good. He's good to those who hunger after him. We have tested of the goodness of God. Let it not just remain with us. Let us also go forth in pouring that goodness of God to others as well. Number three, it leads me to number three. What is the secret of bearing this fruit? Yeah, I've been called to bear the fruit of love, but what's the secret of bearing this fruit? It is abiding. It says, abide in me and I in you. That means dwell in me and I will dwell in you. Live in me and I will live in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit of itself without abiding, being vitally united to the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. How do we abide? Abiding just means staying close to Jesus. Clinging on Jesus. If you cut yourself off from him in any way at any time, you won't bring forth fruit. If you abide in him, Fruit will come supernaturally, naturally. For example, when you look at an apple tree or an orange tree or a mango tree, whichever tree that produces a fruit, you notice that the branches abide. Simple. I mean, when they simply, they simply cling to the trunk and then they blossom forth. And then, fruit, I mean, fruit is produced. You will never see an apple tree struggling with a red face, I want to produce. No, you never. An orange tree, like, mm, I need to produce. They just hang on to the, to the tree. The branch just hang on. And that's where we've been called. Not to a place of struggle, but a place of clinging on to Jesus, being the vine for us to be able to produce forth. So when I'm vitally united with Jesus, his presence comes upon me. And I supernaturally, naturally begin to produce that fruit, which we call love. Which leads me to this question. What are the marks of one who is abiding? How do we know that someone is abiding in Jesus? Someone is staying close to Jesus. And number one here says, production of fruit. I am the vine. You are the branches. He that abideth me and I in him, the same will bring forth much fruit. For without me, when you are cut off from my vital union with me, you can do nothing. So we see production of fruit. You keep on producing because you are vitally united with Jesus. 
Number two, fruition in prayer. John 15 verse 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask whatever you will and it shall be done unto you. I think sometimes when we pray in our prayer, we feel like it just reaches the ceiling and not beyond that is because we have been cut off from the vital union that we need to have with the Lord Jesus. So we need to trace back and be grafted into the vine. And once we are grafted, the Bible says here, whatever we ask, it shall be done unto us. Because now we will be inclining our will to the will of the one who came for us and died for us and resurrected for us and the one who knows the heart of the Father. So you'll understand the heart, the nature and character of Jesus if you abide in him. And consequently, your prayers will be in line with his desires. And then number three, lastly, correction from the Father. I know this is very hard, most of us. We know that the Father loves us, but also there is a correction from the Father. John 15, 2. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth, that it may bring forth more fruit. What does it mean to be purged? Does it mean to be pruned or does it mean to be washed? And I think it means both. The Lord will cleanse us as we study the word. Like right now, we are listening to the word of God. There is a cleansing that takes place. We are beginning, our minds are being transformed and having that mind of Jesus Christ upon our lives. And so that can happen corporately, but it can also happen when we meet in our small groups, home groups during the midweek. Or you as an individual in your intimate, quiet time with the Lord, that is a way cleansing happens. The Bible says the, the washing of the word, I mean the washing by the word. So the word of Jesus washes us. It cleanses us. It removes all impurities as we study. But not only that, uh, sometimes it will also prune us through trials and difficulties and dark and hard times. And sometimes when we go through those difficulties and hard times, we might think the Lord has left us, but there's a pruning that is taking place in our lives. In fact, Hebrews chapter 12, it says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he does what? Can, we, can I hear? He does what? He chastens. And scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you're without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers. I'm a perfect example. I'm a firstborn among my family, and I experience this. Eh? We have human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chasten us as seem best to them, but he for a profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields peace, peaceable fruit. Talk about the fruit of the Spirit. And we mention peace here. Of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. 
In fact, James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy. When you do what? Fall into various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? That is a fruit. So you want fruit to spring out patience, the trials, the challenging moment, the hard times. Patience comes out. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Which leads me to the last verse. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 9. You can just put it up. First Peter 3, verse 1 to 9. And this is what it says. Can we all read together this? One to go. Blessed. salvation of our soul. The testing of our faith, that which is precious than gold that perishes, may be able to produce honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus. We want Jesus to be revealed in our community. Let's allow God as he transforms our lives, as he prunes us so that Jesus will be revealed in our lives. And God is so in love with us. He's committed to teach us in any way. He's committed to teach you and I in any way. Let's allow him to prune our lives by clinging to him, being vitally united. And then he says, at the end, the salvation of our souls. I want to just rise up on our feet. I know Drew will come here and just take us through all the communion. But before he comes in, I want to just, you as an individual right now, wherever you are. Of course, our prayer line are open up here. And I think at the end of the service, uh, uh, people will be praying for, for anyone who is in need of prayer in line with what God has just uh, uh, brought to our hearts today. You're very much welcome. I mean, and just surrender to the Lord. Just tell him, Lord, I invite you. You know, I'm here. I need to just be vitally needed, grafted in you. Just go forth and just express yourself right this moment before the Lord. Just invite and pray that the Lord will be able to open our hearts to him. That we'll be completely surrendered to the work that he's doing rightly in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just thank you for this moment that you've given unto us. For this reason, you came that we may have you and enjoy you to the full. And we pray that every area of our life that needs pruning, Lord, we just surrender to you because it's not about us. It's about you, Lord Jesus. And it's about the people that will bring on our way as we vitally unite with you to bear that fruit of love springing out of our lives. We thank you for your spirit who is at work in our lives, enabling and empowering us for every good work. Amen.